Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Joining me once again, because there's so much going on. Here's the truth. Um, as a former sports writer, I started my career as a sports writer. Sports writers are foundational. Sports writers are some of the best novelists. They're some of the best journalists. They're some of the best thought leaders because they have to, you know, they're in an industry that brings all of the drama into an arena that everyone can kind of understand sports. And it's a metaphor for so many things. So let me welcome my brother. He is amazing. The one and only Howard Bryant. How are you? Come on, I give you all of that. Hey, hey, Karen Hunter. I didn't know if you could hear me. I can't. Can you hear me? Where's your energy? Come in with your energy. I can hear you through the headphones, but I can't hear this. I don't know if you can hear me. Can I get a thumbs up? I can hear you. All right, bad. There we go. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Of course. Okay. I can all hear right. You. Well, then I can hear you. I can hear you. you can hear me. All right. So of there's course. a lot. Thank you a... for the big intro. That's I all I'm saying. That. I just you know that's I just it. want I just want some love. That's it. You know that's all. <laughs> um, I don't even know where to start. I guess we have to start with the lawsuit at the beginning. But you know what? I'm gonna start with this piece that you wrote. Um, called uh, the title is Howard Bryant on Colin Kaepernick and the moral bankruptcy of the NFL. And in this piece, when you did write, I write that? I don't know, but it's, it's you. It's you. I'm gonna. I'm Long gonna repeat it. Yeah. So I'm gonna because I'm gonna pull this. I think it's poignant. You said during my first years at ESPN, the enormous conflicts of interest between the company's traditional journalism wing and its business of broadcasting sports was an open secret that employees believed they could rationalize away. A refrain was repeated to me often by veteran writers and editors, the gist of which was. I've worked here for years and no one has ever told me what I could or couldn't write. Superficially, there was no reason to believe this was true. This wasn't true. Yet it was nevertheless preposterous because the culture changes the individual long before the individuals change the culture. Inside the building, the editors and reporters, especially the editors, already knew what types of stories and what types of tones would be acceptable to management long before having to ask. And so now we have these stories come out on the heels of Brian Flores, uh, his lawsuit and his uh, tour that he's making, his uh, a publicity tour uh, around mm-hmm. the lawsuit. And mm-hmm. now you got owners coming out saying some things. You got other coaches and you got Tiki Barber crying. Uh, <laughs> Howard Bryant, um, are, were you surprised that Brian Flores filed a lawsuit? Well, let's put it this way. Well, one, thank you for that. I do remember what that is. That's from my book. That's from Full Dissidence. I'm like, ah, oh. I'm like, ah, oh, now it makes sense. I'm like, okay. So um, where, where are we at? I'm at the store on Tuesday. I'm buying a bamboo steamer because I'm trying to eat a little healthier, okay. right? All right? And that's when the phone rings and that's when I hear the lawsuit went down. And I was like, Brian, Brian Flores? Brian Flores is the Boy Scout Brian Flores, like the, the Bill Belichick school Brian Flores who follows all the rules Brian Flores is suing the what? So, yeah, I was taken by surprise, and I was taken by surprise by a couple other reasons. The second reason I was surprised was because the process wasn't even finished yet. You still had three jobs open. Jacksonville is open. New Orleans is open. Houston's open. So for Brian Flores to drop a bombshell of a lawsuit on the National Football League when you got three jobs still open told me he was having a moment that 
this that he was reaching a point where he did not even feel like necessarily participating in the process anymore that this mm. was the last straw because once you sue the national football league you're done it's not like it's not like you work for vanguard and you want to leave vanguard you can go work for fidelity there's one league this is it there are 32 of these teams and it's a closed business so now you've chosen to go against the closed business i was very surprised by it. at first i thought it was reckless because I was like, damn, does he realize what this means? And then as I was driving home, I was like, he absolutely realizes what this means. It's time. And if, you know, I was disappointed about it because I don't like, you know, you and I were having this conversation a week ago. It takes all of us, Karen, right? We were just having this conversation. Mm -hmm. So it bothers me that another black professional now has to sacrifice their livelihood. He's only 40 years old to have to do this. Yeah. So. I wasn't overjoyed with that, although okay. people give him all kinds of credit for courage, and I do too, but still. It, we need more sacrifices. You know, Joe Madison says, difference between a moment and a movement is sacrifice. Sacrifice, Agreed. and that comes from Ron Walters' sacrifice. Um, and many of us, we've been conditioned not to sacrifice. We have been so conditioned also to be, the, be the, the magical Negro in the room, take that check, be the one that Change will, from within, Ken. Yes, Change yes, from pat, within. pat, pat, pat on the head. You're such a good, you're so easy to work with. And listen, I deal with that every place I go. There are always myriad more black people that they rather deal with than me. And as a result, you know... Um, I've I've gotten few, very few opportunities, though, so I have to create my own because I recognize if a power structure has the opportunity to win with me, knowing that every step of the way I'm going to hold them accountable or win with somebody else who may not be as talented, may not bring as much to the table, may not make them as much money, they'd rather not deal with having to be held accountable. And it's always, to me, curious because don't you want to be better? It's better for your no. business to be better. So, so tell it? me what this is about because we both know Black people over-index in watching and supporting the NFL. It's a 70%, you know, made up of our our culture, our people, but they also infuse, which is why they're putting all those signages up that you told me about last time. But Stop we over hate, Karen Hunter. Say what? Stop hate. Stop hate. Yes, that's right. Howard. And, ra and racism. And you racism. got a man suing the National Football League with the sign <laughs> and racism in it's the right end there. of the end zone. <laughs> the, which, which is not, it's the, it's the hypocrisy of America. And, and part of what you wrote, which is why I pulled this piece, we all know what it is, when, even when we're in it, and we have conditioned ourselves to turn a blind eye as long as it's not affecting me, as long as I'm still pay, you know, paying my bills, getting my checks, as long as they're not looking at me, I'm okay with what's happening to you. And that, well, so I have to applaud Brian you, Flores because I'm not yes. okay if you're, if you're suffering, I'm not okay with that. If you're not if doing I'm well, okay, exactly. I'm exactly. not, I shouldn't be okay with that. So let me ask you a question then. What are these brothers going to do in that lawsuit where it's essentially a class action lawsuit and all these black people who are in this business are going to be asked because they've been in these Rooney Rule interviews. Are you going to step forward? Are you going to stand up? What are you going to do? Or are you going to be like Tiki Barber and immediately be like, I didn't recognize it. That's not my experience. No, we, or are you going to be we, like, oh, no, well, we I sick, thought the process boss. was we fair. Sick. Yeah, we, right? we yeah. Are we sick? And so you start looking at this. And so your question of courage, that question has come and due in a few weeks. Because right now, you know, there are conversations taking place all across the NFL with people who have with, with, with black candidates who have been in those rooms who are going to be asked 
are you going to step forward and put your name on this? This is essentially, in a lot of ways, it's not that different from Me Too, right? You are, you got a lot of coaches going, okay, this happened to me. How many guys are going to go, Me Too? Me Too? Me Too? Are they going to be like, I still want to work. I need to work in this business. Okay, so so Brian Flores will probably get a settlement check the way Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick got a settlement check, and he'll probably Unless get Unless he more doesn't money. settle. Huh? Unless he doesn't settle. Unless he doesn't settle. Ooh. Okay, so let me ask the question. 866-801-8255. Do you think he's going to settle? Well, most of us do because money is our currency, right? I mean, if you're like, and money is the thing that they give you to keep them from opening their books and showing up all the text messages and show a lot of people were mad at Colin Kaepernick for settling. It was like discovery was the name of the game here. The reason why you did this was so you could expose them, not so you could get a check. I disagreed with that because I was like, look, this man is suing for his livelihood. He wants back pay. So I was torn. I was like, okay, how much more are we going to ask this man to do? On the other hand, it was like, I want to know what's in those emails. I want to know what's in, in those correspondences, right? So I get both sides of it, but What's really going to change things if Brian Flores wants the change that I believe he wants is somebody is going to have to say, no, I want to see this all the way through without your settlement. Okay, here's what here's a solution. Mackenzie Scott, if you're listening, Mackenzie Scott, Melinda Gates, who just said she's not giving any mm-hmm. more of that money she's got to the crusty old white man anymore. She's going to she's going to do a Mackenzie Scott. If y'all are listening, I need y'all to put a fund together for people like Brian Flores so that they can sue, have their have their livelihood, whatever settlement the NFL was going to give them, cut them a check right now so they don't have to wait for it. And let let this pro- because if there if if there's not security, Robert Smith III, you want an NFL team? I think your your money would be better suited giving Brian Flores 15 million dollars or whatever the settlement 20 million dollars so that he can see this through so we can break the yoke of this oppression, and I know it's oppressive. But, you're talking millions of dollars, but uh, you know, break the racism. But it's not oppressive. It's it, it is oppressive because we're not talking about millions of dollars for Brian Flores for the players. The players make tons of money, but these position coaches, like Karen, the thing that gets me about this story more than anything else is that what's really being said here is that the most influential, most important, most respected positions in the NFL coaching ranks are denied to black men. Head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, quarterback coach. These are the jobs. These are the jobs that springboard you into the better jobs, right? You watch a football game on the sidelines. There's plenty of black coaches on the sidelines, but those jobs aren't springboard jobs. And everybody thinks that everybody's out there making $40 million a year. The coaches are making $80,000 a year. The coaches are making $100,000, $200,000. Some of them are making half a million. The coordinators are making two, three million. But the, the But the position coaches... They're not making huge money. They're making not they're making a couple hundred thousand dollars. And on top of making a couple hundred thousand dollars, they have to maintain two residences. Because if you live in New York, but you're a coach for the 49ers, you gotta have a place in San Francisco. The team doesn't pay for that. So it's not as though, oh, we're just talking about these guys making money. They're workers just like us. Mm. I'm gonna throw something at you that I think you'll be able to catch. Howard Bryant is here. Um, Full Dissidence is, is is one of his books. He's got plenty. He's written books on Ricky Henderson, Hank Aaron, one of the best books on Hank Aaron. So, 95, 1995, yeah. 94, mm-hmm. is, uh, the NBA comes to the table, and the star players of the day have an opportunity to create 
equity. We're talking Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing. There's no league without Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's at his, he's sometimes I dream. He is me. He's Michael (laughs) Jordan, right? Spike Lee, Spike Lee, give me the ball, give me the ball. That's Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, all these great players. And they, they basically said, I'm going to take my check. The rest of y'all, oh, well, too bad. I remember that as a young reporter, and I was like, that's some bull. Football like players it. did it too. Yeah, and that's when I stopped liking Michael Jordan. Then it was Republicans buy sneakers too, and it was just, a, you know, and I covered the death of his father, so I'm not, you know, without some connection. But I feel like maybe you said other people need to step up. Maybe it's not going to be now, but I think Brian Flores, because fast forward, <laughs> The league, the NBA, very much in the hands of the players. The players know their power, and they wield it. They wield it, and, you know, it it is very clear that there's not just even a conversation between the players and the ownership. And and, They are the the closest to partnership in any of the professional sports. And that happened because the players recognize their power. But the history is I'm going to take my my check, and I'm not going to get involved in all of this because I'm good. Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, and others. Um well, it goes to what Carmelo Anthony told me when we were talking about this a few years ago. And he was like, look, one, their billions beat our millions. And two, are you willing to invest your own money? Because brothers talk about this all the time. Well, we should make our own league. We should do our own thing. Yeah, but are you going to put up the capital investment to do that and take the risk? Or is it easier for you to put on a pair of sneakers and get a $12 million check? Yes. Talk about sacrifice. Are you willing right. to actually try to build a business? Carmelo and also does- the, uh, I was just mm-hmm. gonna say Carmelo doesn't get enough credit. People were trying to criticize him because he wouldn't let a fan call him boy, which I'm completely, you know, th- th- we got to take a stand across ev- for everything. So I applaud him for, for everything. That. Yeah, I think one of the other things about this that gets me as a, as a, as stories go too is just the human quality of it, right? We've all been in these positions when you're up for a job. What's the first thing you ask? Is there a preferred candidate? Am I walking into a show where I got a shot to get a job? Or is this a dog and pony show that I got no shot? I mean, think about the the emotional investment that comes in putting on your best clothes, putting on your best face, flying across the country, sitting down in front of these people, knowing full well that the fix is already in and they're just there laughing at you. You're not getting a job. Job's already taken. And here you are, you know, tying yourself up in knots, trying to present your best face. And here's the other thing that gets me, right? I was, I respect Brian Flores and I like what he said and everything. I knew he was nervous. I felt bad for him because he was nervous. What I didn't like was when he was on the air and he said, well, what we really need to do is we need to change hearts and minds of people. No, we don't. No, we don't. What we need to do is to have the National Football League live up to its responsibilities. This is not a hearts and minds question. This is a procedural question. You set up the rules in place that you said you were gonna follow and you're not following them. This isn't about you being a nice person or I'm really not a racist. In some ways, it doesn't have anything to do with racism in its own way. It has Uh-oh, to do with you watch and yourself. your responsibility. Everything has to do with I mean, racism. It, has, it How, does, You're Karen, gonna get canceled. Is, Whoopi Goldberg said no, no, it has nothing to do with right? race. No, no, no. What I'm <laughs> no, saying is, is that this is, I know you are, I'm saying this is procedure. This is a workplace issue. You said that these were the rules, right? You said that we're gonna we're going to interview two minority candidates for each job. You can't even do that. He's not even talking about not getting the job. He's only talking about interviewing for the job, and you can't live up to that. Listen, I mean, uh, but, come on. But you know, on some level, 
Hearts and minds do need to change. I, I'm not waiting for it. I'm not holding my breath for it. Trust and believe I can give a damn about your heart and mind. Give me my money. Give me my opportunity. Get out of my way. However, uh, I think the fracture th- that he's talking about in this country does, you know, there d- does need to be a reckoning it, it among people. To, and, if, and if people have to be uh, sued into it or or lose everything to, to come to an epiphany, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah, but you something. know what? But how many people go into the office, you know, you don't call women stewardesses anymore, right? Does that mean that you're not a misogynist? It just knows means that you know when you walk in the building, you can't talk like that anymore. Mm. That's not a hearts and minds issue. That's you knowing that the rules are changing and that the business has changed the rules and you have to adhere to those rules. It doesn't have anything to do with your heart or your mind. Well, I, it has when to I was- do- I, I used to do Bible study, and uh, my Bible study partner would say, "You have to act your way to good feelings, and if you keep acting your, you know, acting the way you're supposed to, you'll catch up spiritually." So I feel like, yeah, don't don't call me the N word, don't 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 call me a stewardess, don't call me gal, don't call me, you know, mm-hmm. don't don't sass, you know, don't, yeah, act act your way. His to His gal feelings. Friday, yeah, right, all yeah. That. I'm 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 with you on that, but I I I think it's misdirection, and it bothers me when I hear that because. You know how hard it is to change somebody's mind? It's a hell of a lot easier to just have them follow the rules of the business. Okay, I, 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 I 100% agree with you on that. I'm just, you know, uh, presenting another position. And speaking of name callings and things, uh, since we're talking sports, Joe Rogan, who I think might be a sports figure uh, or comedian. No. I don't know what he is, to be honest with you. Comedian, I know he's, radio he's, guy. He's a radio guy. But um, So uh, you're following the story, the Spotify story? Yes. All right. So NDI reads the latest to, um, but she went in and mm-hmm. uh, we reached out to her. Hopefully she'll be on today or Monday or something. But um, she's the latest to pull her, her music off of Spotify. They don't talk, they're only talking about, you know, um, Crosby, Stills and Nash and, and um, Joni Mitchell. And of course, Neil mm-hmm. Young. Uh, now Barbara Streisand, Barbara Streisand, B-A-R-B-R. B A R B R A. That's a B R A. Spell her name Barbara. correctly. Born on my birthday, Barbara Streisand. She's threatening to re- remove her music if Spotify doesn't deplatform Joe Rogan immediately. But NDRE broke it down in this way, and I'm a I'm a juxtapose this to Whoopi Goldberg. Y'all ready? Okay. Uh, so she talked about Joe Rogan referring to black neighborhoods as the planet of the apes. There's about uh eight minutes of commentary of joe rogan using the n-word i'm gonna play some of it right now smiz go ahead play it listener discretion is advised yeah you you, you don't even say in the word (laughs) no i'm not until i'm mexican so i i could actually get away with it if i say n-i-g-g-a but if Mm. i i can't do the other one but you can't even say it you can't not not even calling something it not calling a person a nigger but saying the word like me saying it right now you're like (gasps) You can't say it. How come you can't say it? He just did. It's racist. It's racist. It's racist. No, it's, it's, I think it's they racist have one to call someone. They have a for word. Sure. You know. Yeah. This has been a campaign of his for years. I have Maybe plenty of clips. Wait, let's watch. Hanging well, out with Chappelle too much. Uh, so let's talk about that because Whoopi merely said, and I could play the clip again. I played it for my class today. That we're we're dealing less with race, more with man's inhumanity to man. Not trying to be offensive, wasn't trying to be anti-Semitic, wasn't trying to to say to claim the Holocaust didn't happen. She did, did none of that. They're now gaslighting us with Roseanne Barr, who literally called Valerie Jarrett a monkey. Says she looks like a monkey. Valerie Jarrett is black. I didn't know she was black. 
You didn't know Valley Jarrett was black? No, that's what Roseanne, oh, that's what Roseanne said. said. Oh, so she I'm lost gonna her gonna job, say. and they were like, well, Whoopi should lose her job. But Joe Rogan's been using the N-word, calling black neighborhoods the planet of the apes, and they're trying to say that there's black privilege, that Whoopi didn't lose her job because of black privilege. Whoopi didn't lose her job because she wasn't openly racist towards any group. She may have misspoken, may not have had the historical background to explain what she was actually saying, but she her intent wasn't to um, cause harm to Jewish people or anybody. Joe Rogan, literally, I have eight minutes of tape of him using the n-word mm-hmm. on the radio mm-hmm. and never got suspended or deplatformed. now i'm not calling for him to lose his his position but ndre says spotify built its wealth on the backs of primarily black artists this is what she said and we're paid 0.003 to 0.005 percent of a penny generating all of that money that you then are able to pay Joe Rogan a hundred million dollars. And we get 0.003 to 0.005 on a penny. She said, so pay me too. I mean, pay artists like me, pay podcasters of color too. You're building something off of our backs. And I was like, that's the most American thing. Indy, I read what America does. They build off of people. Fox will build off of black content to get the numbers up and then get rid of all of those shows and bring on these horrible shows nobody's watching because now they got the advertiser on the hook. It's a, it's a shell game. America's a shell game. I'm going to give you, uh, let me get all of the goodness, get all of the goodness. And then as soon as the goodness comes in, black folk, let me get rid of them and get the money. So I'm not, I'm not surprised by this, but I never really put it in that perspective. So I'm grateful. So I did a little experiment today with my class. How many of you listen to Joe Rogan? These are young. This is supposed to be his demographic, mm-hmm. by the way. I teach at Hunter College. I don't teach at HBCU. It's primarily non-black people, primarily young. <laughs> As they're all young in their 20s. Not one of them listened to Joe Rogan. I said, I thought this mm-hmm. was his demographic. Half Not of them didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. Howard, half of them didn't know who he was. Everybody knew who Whoopi Goldberg was. I said, so you mean Whoopi Goldberg's more popular than Joe Rogan? She's bigger than Joe Rogan? Why is she going through this? What, what's your take on it? Well, my take on it is that every time, every time something happens like this, people are just waiting to tear somebody black down to balance the scales. When it's not even close, it's, the, it's just another false equivalency, right? And the, the idea that gets me about this is that there are white people, lots of them, who really, really believe that we somehow have it better. They really believe this. And I'm like, how do you really believe this? Right? How do you think like this? How, are you not paying attention at all? And so what it comes down to is that they truly believe in their earnestness. They believe in their neutrality. They believe that nothing that they have is, is illegitimate. They don't believe that it's an advantage. They see advantage in other people because they don't see, they don't see anything in their standing that suggests that it was birthed by advantage, right? So, it, it, so they just bore me, right? If you can't have that conversation, if you can't even think about it in anything close to a realistic context, I just dismiss them. I dismiss these conversations. I dismiss, I'm like, I was talking to a friend of mine about this yesterday who was like texting me about how much rage she had. I was like, I don't have rage. I have boredom. You know, I talk to black people. I talk to my people. I talk to people that I understand and who understand me. Right. Otherwise, and that's the thing with Brian Flores, when you get back to him, it's like, look, you can either 
try to be like we talked about at the beginning of this conversation. I'm going to make change from within. I'm going to do, you know, or you can fight from the outside, which is the moment that Brian Flores had where he's like, I'm going to drop a lawsuit on y'all because the working from within doesn't work. So you fight from the outside, you fight from the inside, but you're still fighting. Either way, you're still fighting. And so the question has always been, for me, what are you fighting? Mm. You know, what are you actually fighting? And I've, I just find, I hope that what Brian Flores finds after all this is illumination. That you can't, and these people are not going to be your allies. You have to fight for your space. But the change in the hearts and minds stuff, man, that's between them. Like, I, I've been hearing for the last five years now. Is America on the brink of civil war? Who's fighting? I ain't fighting nobody. That's between y'all. You don't have to fight, Howard Bryant. I'm not fighting anybody. You, you don't have right? to fight, but when the fight comes to you, don't be surprised. That's well, all the fights always come be to ready. you, but what I'm saying, I'm saying is, saying, is that... always be ready. Well, you always be ready, but what I'm saying is, is that this whole idea of... It's white people talking to other white people. That's yeah. my point. My point is that I'm not ready to fight. I'm saying that who is exactly. this battle really said, between? She got, she got suspended, Howard. So be right? Who is this fight between? <laughs> who know? is it between? Who is it between? It's who between is? the... what. Look at the demographics, right? The demographics suggest that where we are in this whole battle of the American Civil War, it's white people talking to other white people. If you look at the black demographics in terms of exit polls, they're not divided. Look at Asians, they're not divided. Look at Latinos, they're not divided. Only people who are divided is white people. They're 51, 49, and white women are 53%, 47, whatever. Black people aren't divided. You said, you just said a word just now. Howard, Howard is here. Um, 866-801-8255 is the number. Let's take some calls. Uh, we'll take a break. Today I'm going to talk about Dan DeWay Newton. I'm going to get to Nick Cannon's apology and this <laughs> horrific story of Pamela Moses, a 44-year-old Memphis activist uh, who, because of a mm. prior criminal mm. record mm. in Tennessee with their ridiculous, archaic uh, laws. Racist laws. Racist laws uh, has been sentenced to six years. I don't know why I didn't talk about this story on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, and why I didn't know about it until today. Shame on me, but also shame on us for this should be breaking news. Like, I don't give a damn. Michael Avenatti's been sentenced, uh, uh, been convicted of stealing money, and he's going to probably spend 21 years in jail that doesn't bother that's that's not impacting us why isn't this breaking news pamela moses uh but let me go to seth in texas who's been holding on hi seth welcome thank you good Are evening you i want to ask, uh hello i want to ask your guest first of all two questions one's for you is this attorney's any good that's representing this gentleman and two would it be would it take away from his uh effort to have Kaepernick sitting next to him while he's on this tour with calling out some of the NFL's discrepancies? Well, I think those are two interesting questions. Um, one, I mean, supposedly his law firm's pretty good. I mean, obviously he went, what was interesting, what I found interesting about that was that he didn't even go, I don't think he went through the Fritz Pollard Alliance, which is the black, you know, coaches. Uh, group which tells me that he felt like he needed to to hit harder and that the compromise was not going to be an option here. The Kaepernick story is a different story, um, so I don't think it helps. I think Kaepernick, I think whenever you have Kaepernick involved, it always just creates, you know, a bit of 
it just it it takes away from what he's trying to do because people are so polarized on Kaepernick and and, and Colin didn't talk. So we haven't really heard from him in five years. We see Spike Lee's doing a documentary on him. So maybe we'll hear from him coming up when that film comes out. But I think that what we need right now, I want to hear from the other coaches. I want to hear from everybody else who has been in that room who said, yeah, my interview was a sham too, that I didn't, I wasn't taken seriously and that I don't feel like I, that those interviews were legitimate. That's what's going to really start moving things. But would we even know about this if Bill Belichick hadn't mistaken Brian Flores and, for the other BS? That's right, was for like, Brian oh, wait, Dable. Oops, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I'm talking wrong to the Brian. wrong Brian. My bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, you're not going to get that job. <laughs> that's right. Well, the, and the other piece of this that I find um, difficult as well is what you're actually, you read the rest of that lawsuit, that you got this man, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins. Let's not forget who Stephen Ross is. Stephen Ross is the guy who owns Hudson Yards and everything else up and down the West Side. Um, he's that dude, right? And Chelsea Piers, I think that's all Stephen Ross's real oh, estate wow. property. Um, and I think that, um, and, and he's also the guy behind Rise. You know, speaking of Colin Kaepernick, when Colin Kaepernick took his knee, what did the NFL do? The NFL went and found a splinter to neutralize Colin Kaepernick. Terry Bagula, the owner of the Buffalo Bills, Stephen Ross, formed Rise in the Players Coalition. That's all Stephen Ross is backing. So the whole, it takes all of us and end racism and all that, that's all Stephen Ross right Mm. there, right? And so you've got this, so you've got these players, whether it was, you know, Malcolm Jenkins and Anquan Bolden and all those guys who weren't really down with Cap, they split down the middle, they went to the Players Coalition. I wanna hear from them. How do they feel about their man, Stephen Ross, doing this, right? We haven't heard a word from them. So, you, you know, so is it a coach issue? Is it a player issue? It's both. We wanna hear from the players too because they're the visible ones, right? On top of that, we also think about what this is doing to the profession of black coaches. You read that lawsuit, you've got the owner of the Miami Dolphins, if this is true, big if true, allegedly offering the head coach of your team to lose games. I'm paying you to lose. And so not only does that mess up the idea of competitive balance, but also it's happening at a time when all of these sports are going in 100% on gambling. Mm. So you got a fix going in from the start. And one other thing about this is you also have these coaches, these black coaches are trying to build. And you got these coaches, and then you got the other coach, Hugh Jackson, when he was with the Browns saying, well, they offered me money to lose as well. And he took it. And so now you've got these black coaches who are brought in to losing situations. They're brought in to lose games. You lose your games. The team gets their draft pick. They get to be good. They hire some white coach and go to the playoffs. But you have a a career record of 12 and 40. How are you going to get another job with a record like that? How, how are you going to be sold to the public as the future and the solution when you've got a career record that bad? You're finished. You're set up to fail from the start. Mm, mm, mm. And that $100,000 that allegedly or reportedly was paid doesn't make up for that. It wasn't paid. It was offered. It was offered. offered. $100,000 offered. $100, no, $100, per loss. One coach said that he actually did get well, that's paid. Hugh Jackson. And it's Hugh right. Jackson. And he said he took it. He took the, I think it was 50000 per game or 50000 per loss or whatever. <laughs> but Hugh Jackson also has a terrible record and will probably never coach in the NFL at a head coaching level again. So once again, what are we doing here? Right? And I think one of the hard parts about this too, Karen, is that we have this feeling it's the overestimation of money that 
you've got a 70% black league here, you've got an 80% black league in the NBA, and that we feel that that workforce is supposed to translate into front office opportunities, and it doesn't. So there's a there are plenty of non-sports uh, industries where the workforce is black and brown. They don't get jobs upstairs. Why do we assume that they're going to get jobs upstairs in sports? Because the players, because the workforce makes that much money. But it doesn't translate, especially when you're looking at the race norming lawsuit where the NFL settled on CTE, essentially concluding that they felt like the black brain was inferior anyway. If they already believe that, why would they hire you as a coach where you, where you need your brain? Oh, this is so crazy. And Stephen Ross, $8.3 million, according to Forbes, is what he's worth. He also is known not just for Hudson Yard. $8.3 billion. I'm uh, sorry, $8.3 billion, also known for the Time Warner Center, and he is the creator of drone racing of the Drone Racing League. Uh, that is Stephen Ross. Uh, 866-801-8255. Monica has been holding on in Florida. Welcome. You're on with Howard Bryant. Hi. Hi. Good afternoon. I'm so excited to talk about this issue because I've been involved in something similar to this years ago. And let me just say the system as it is right now is set up for people. When you file a discrimination lawsuit, you're going to lose. And the reason is this, the standard of proof is intent. If you can't prove that they intended to discriminate, you're going to lose. So yeah, we've got the microaggressions, hostile work environments, disparate treatment, lower salaries, lack of promotions. You all know the issues that we all deal with as black Americans in the corporate workplace. And we know that they are often racially motivated. And we sit back and we try to figure out how do we navigate around it? How do we work through it all? But the reality of it is you can't prove that they intended to discriminate, and that is the legal standard. So the aggregate of all of these circumstances, the aggregate of all of the experiences that Brian and other blacks experience in corporate America, in any workplace for that matter, it's not enough to win a lawsuit. We need to be addressing the federal laws that right now only accept them calling you black or the N-word that in their minds they go, oh, that's racist. Yep, yep, that's racist. But what they don't realize is these other things that take place in the workplace that is also discriminatory. So when someone like Brian makes a move, he's not making a move because he wants to make money or he's going to sit for, you know, he's going to go through the settlement process. He's making a move because he's exhausted. People like That's that, right. you're exhausted and you don't know what else to do. So if he enters into a settlement, that means he's going to sign an NDA. He'll never be able to talk about it. And that's it. They're paying for your silence. So what we that's need right. to do as black Americans is be very clear about the, race, the, the discrimination laws, federal discrimination laws, and what we need to do to change that. Implore Congress, implore people to say, let's look at this so that black people, anyone, any person of color has the right, what has the, 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 the means, if you will, to be able to file a lawsuit if that's going to stick. There have been too many people in media, too many people in all forms of, of you know, work, workplace environments where they can't win because they can't prove intent. All that person does is say, well, I didn't intend to do it. And if they can prove that they didn't intend to do it, or should I say the onus is on us, if we can't mm-hmm. prove that their intent was to discriminate, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. So, no, settlement is not the answer. It is having courage to say, you know what, I'm dropping the mic. I'm walking away. I can do what I need to do like Karen Hunter on my own. I don't need to be in a corporate setting like that to give me value and worth. I'm going to do it on my own, but I'm going to still set the fire, the place on fire and let you guys know that I see who you are. I see how you treated me, and I'm going to tell everybody who's willing to listen and hear so we can make substantive change, substantive change, substantive change that changes not just the narrative, but the laws in this country. Well, Monica, you've, you're spot on, of course. 
we're in an era right now where they're trying to uh, reverse affirmative action. They're 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 trying to remove history from from schools. We can't even get voting rights. Um, and but that is where it has to happen. And absolutely, you're absolutely correct. Um, yeah, no doubt. She's absolutely correct. Well, I actually, I, I did interview uh, with the Carolina Panthers before uh, John Fox got the job. And, and I can recall that we had uh, lost uh, to the Steelers in the second round of the playoffs. And I remember sitting home on Monday, and I think it was Chris Mortensen or someone else reported that, that Foxy would be named the head coach of the Panthers on Friday. And when I went to work Tuesday, Brian came in and said, hey, I just got off the phone with Ozzy, and the Panthers want you to come down and interview for the job. I said, coach, I, I just heard last night on TV that they're going to name Foxy the coach on Friday. And he said, so he goes back, he talks to Ozzy, talks to people, and and I end up going down to, to Charlotte and so forth and meeting with the, the Richardson family. And, you know, they said that wasn't true and so forth. And they named John the head coach on Friday. So, you know, uh, I, I don't know, you know, again, it, that's the situation I was I was in. But you have to go. You have to go and prove uh, that you're worthy to become the head coach. And, uh, you know, and, and it's, you know, you're appreciative of the opportunity. But what was supposedly going to happen ended up happening in that case for sure. That was Marvin Lewis, former head coach in the NFL, talking about his experience. And we are joined by Howard Bryant, who is a longtime <laughs> sports writer, all sports reporter, columnist, also uh, author of many, many books, which we have tweeted out. Um, and thank you for that. No, I mean, your, your books are amazing. You're amazing. And I'm glad you're here. Uh, is, is there a flaw in the Rooney rule that doesn't require actual hiring? <laughs> Only Any... <laughs> I always thought it was like, all right, you could interview anyone. Better hire deal... me. <laughs> no, you you must hire. Like if there's an opening that, and there are three openings, because then that would force you know uh, people to hire quickly or something. Of the three openings, one of them has to be a black hire, something like yeah. that. Any 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 rule that is demanding that you hire a group is the problem in the first place. Okay. If you need a rule to be told to interview people, your entire institution has a major problem. And it runs counter to everything that you say you stand for. It runs counter to the statement the NFL put out about how this had no merit and diversity is our highest priority. No, it's not because you need a rule to be forced to even follow a tiny bit of diversity. And that's what I mean. It's not even we're not even talking about being told you had to hire someone. We're just asking you to talk to somebody else. Talk about a low bar. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, before we went to break, Jeff Zucker, uh, head of CNN, resigned this week, uh, allegedly because of a relationship, this is what he said, with a subordinate. But I'm like, this is fishy. And then we find out <laughs> that she was, uh, she worked for Governor Cuomo, the woman that he, his paramour, who allegedly the, the relationship blossomed during the pandemic, even though a lot of people blossomed. are saying... This is bull crap, right? And then Chris Cuomo, who was let go by CNN because of his help of his helping his brother, the governor of New York, um, just settled nine million dollars. Um, yep. He he got half his contract, for, and they the the ask is stop stop the lawsuit because he sued after he got let go. He had an eighteen million dollar contract. He was uh, looking to get his whole contract. He settled for half uh, to sit home. That's not bad. Uh, your thoughts on bad. that, Howard? 
Well, my, my first thought is I love the word paramour. I also love the word canoodle. These are two words that I just can't get enough of whenever I hear them. They just make me smile. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that when you watch what, what was going down, and especially when you read the stories earlier about Zucker's comments and all the stuff, he was he was on the edge anyway, all the sexist comments and things that he had made. It was like it was kind of only a matter of time. But these are the conflicts. Like, you're a journalist. I'm a journalist. We grew up with this stuff. And when you start thinking about where we are now, journalistically as to where we when we were coming up in the business there are no rules and then until they need until you need rules and then you go oh this is why you can't do these things this is why you can't have relationships with subordinates this is why you shouldn't be hiring the brother of the governor to be covering news you can't be doing these things because when it blows up it blows up big and then people can't understand why we don't have any credibility and people don't trust us right well for the record none of those people on CNN, MSNBC, or Fox are real journalists. They're all news readers. They're all uh, people who are entertainers who, uh, you know, may have producers that put some news into their teleprompter, but they're not out in them streets. Uh, and those stand the standard, yeah. it's not the standard. Exactly right. 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 Uh, let's let's take Chandra. Chandra's been holding on. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hi, Chandra. Hello. Hi, Karen Hunter. Thank you so much. And um, I just. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you so much. And then for you, Howard Bryant, um, thank you. I heard you say um, thank you so much. So basically when I heard you, Howard Bryant, a moment ago say that you were um, bored and you want to have conversations that are based on reality, and I couldn't have agreed with you more. Um, I'm exhausted, bored, disappointed, because it seems like we keep piling things on the list under, you know, of which we are discriminated against. And it's just whether it's in sports or criminal justice or wherever, I wish that people like you and Karen Hunter and myself and maybe Monica, that caller from Florida, people who are thinking along the same li- same lines in the direction of solutions and substantive change, I can't even get the word out. Um, I like that Monica made that uh, point that it is hard, if not impossible, but very difficult to improve, uh, prove intent in court also like when it comes to social justice, things like qualified immunity, as long as things like that are in place, it's going to be hard to have hold certain police officers accountable. And until we get together, enough of us, and get together and make a nationwide coalition that is solely focused on not being distracted and focused on substantive, I can't even get that word out, substantive change, um, we have so many changes and so much to work on, but I think if we get an effective nationwide coalition with a national agenda, unified messaging and talking points, and we can have representatives to respond in situations like this and even, you know, other situations like George Floyd or Breonna Taylor, we need a nationwide coalition. And mm-hmm. then I wonder what you think about that or what you think another solution is, because we need solutions. You said you're bored. I'm exhausted and disappointed and bordering on situational depression. I mm-hmm. am tired and I want to, I'm tired of singing the same old song and the hula hooping around the block. I'm tired of it. And I wonder what a suggestion is of a solution from your point of view. 
Shani, well, thank think, you. Oh, sorry, Let me ahead. just thank mm-hmm. her because she. Um, oh, of course. And I'm sorry, Let me Karen. just tell the audience here is amazing. People are in the uh, on Twitter talking about how brilliant the folk are, and they are. The people that listen to Urban View are brilliant. And you've written about this. You you have more than f- at least four books on on the disparities and and, and the unequal treatment in sport, um, which also relates to life. But please do give her some solutions. Well, I think the first thing is, is that it's your, it's your mind. Who are you talking to and who are you? And when you think about these things, what are you thinking and who are you thinking about them for? I mean, for me, I tell people all the time, I'm not trying to change your mind. I, I don't feel like sparring. I think that people over the past several years, especially post 08, and you go back to that day in Grant Park when Obama was elected and People really believed, and I think one of the hardest things for you know the, these generations to believe is that when we were kids, when I was growing up, you know, my parents told me point blank, "You're never going to get anything here. You're not getting it. You know, you're not getting all you need. You know, you got to be three times better." We all know that black people. We all know that story. You know, you were told that give me the opportunity, and then you do the rest. We heard that part. My parents never taught me equality. You're never getting equality here. They say, get your opportunity and make the most of it and take care of yourself, take care of your family, take care of your responsibilities. But this generation, this generation wants equality and opportunity. And I respect that. I have a lot of respect for that. I feel bad for this generation in a lot of ways because, you know, we're 12 and a half, 13 percent of the population, but we're not 13 percent of the culture. We're an enormous, huge part of the culture. And that creates this, the, you know, this, this real interesting sort of split between, okay, well, how much do you deserve? There's only, you know, 22 million of you, right? So, but we're not 22% of the influence, especially when you're talking about sports. And so, therefore, you have to try to navigate how you're going to, that's why I, refer, that's why I wrote the book Full Dissidence. It was like, you're having, people are having their full dissidence moment. I'm tired of this. And I need to figure out another way to navigate it. And to me, the way that I navigate it is, I am not asking you for permission to feel how I feel. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm telling you the reality and the life that I see it. And I, I I've always had problems in sort of the, the, in the journalistic standpoint where you always feel like you have to sort of couch your feelings. No, 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 no. You ask me what I think, I'll tell you what I think. This is the reality of my life. And if you can't deal with that, it's like being on an airline. We know you have a choice when you fly. Fly somebody else. Mm. Howard, let's continue. Uh, come back anytime. I appreciate you. Appreciate all oh, of the work my that pleasure, you do. Karen, thank you so much. It takes all of us, Karen Hunter. <laughs> I'm not watching that though. I'm not watching. I won't know. Thank you for informing us, Howard. Uh, the great Howard Bryant. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.